are going to be doing a Cleric Tribal Aura Skyclave Hierophant deck tech. So, first of all, Aura Skyclave Hierophant is a new card from Zendikar Rising. Uh, it just got spoiled earlier today uh, for me. Hopefully, I can get this out, uh, this episode out by tomorrow. Uh, so, hopefully, this will be relatively up to date. But for new cards that have just been spoiled in Zendikar Rising, there's a very high likelihood that they will not be in this deck. So, take a look through Zendikar Rising if you're going to build this, uh, because I could definitely and most likely am be missing things, because I don't know they exist yet. Alright, so now we're going to read the card. Aura Skyclade Hierophant is two white black for 3-3 with lifelink. Legendary creature core cleric. Whenever Aura Skyclave, Skyclave Hierophant or another or, or another cleric you control dies, return target cleric with sorry, return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now, this is an incredibly powerful card. Basically, it's just you get to sacrifice your clerics and just bring them back and just keep on looping through that over and over and over again. Uh, now, there's a lot of different ways you could take advantage of this, but I, I chose to go with a Soul Sisters deck. Uh, if you're wondering why this deck looks like everything is illegal in it, it's because, uh, it's because the commander, Aura, is technically not on Scryfall yet, so therefore not on Architect, so therefore my deck is registered as not having a commander. So therefore, uh, the any card that is colored is not within my color identity, and everything is red. Basically, red means it's technically not allowed to be played, but it is. Don't worry about it. Alright, so next next issue, not issue, whatever, next topic. So what is Soul Sisters? So Soul Sisters, Soul Sisters is basically cards that say whenever this creature or another creature or something like that, whenever another creature you control enters the battlefield, you gain a life. Now there's some variations on that. For example, Daxo says whenever it enters the battlefield or dies, or, you know, something like this. Some other things might say whenever a creature enters the battlefield, period. So not, not even necessarily under your control. So that's the idea. So we have ten variations of this effect. Um, I'm just going to read one example. A pretty basic one would be Soul's Attendant. A white for a, a creature human cleric, 1-1. One, one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. Simple enough. And that, you know, that's the idea. So, cleric. First of all, that is great that it is a cleric. And second of all, clerics, right? Like, we have these soul sisters, right? We're getting things in and out and in and out and in and out because we get to sacrifice our clerics. So, how are we doing that? Now, we have a lot of different sacrifice outlets, which will just for free let us sacrifice a creature, which will then let us get another creature, um, get another creature out of the graveyard and just keep on going through the loop and sacrificing and getting another one and sacrificing and getting another one. Another great thing about this deck that makes that a whole lot easier 
is there's, I think, about 25 clerics in the deck, so we can just cycle through tons and tons of creatures. And this will gain us tons of life. Now, for one thing, that sort of is a payoff. And if that's not enough, there's a whole lot of other ones. So, first of all, you're going to be gaining tons and tons of life from your soul sisters. Second of all, a lot of the clerics are going to have effects on enter the battlefield or leave the battlefield triggers. This way, you can just get some bonus effects. And lastly, you have payoffs for the life gain. When you're gaining life, you get some sort of effect, uh, depending on the card, that can help you, you know, that will help you do things. So, that's the general idea. I mean, there are also some payoffs for clerics, there's draw, there's ramp, of course, all this type of stuff. But, that's the base, base level. There's also, in order to help it along, there's a lot of not very much mill, just a little, because you want to have something in the beginning that you can start cycling through. But keep in mind, you are sacrificing creatures. And even if you do get them back, you know, it's you're still going to have minus one creature at some point. You know, like once you get down to a low enough converted mana cost, you're just going to be done. You know, you can either sacrifice that creature or keep it. You can't keep on going down forever. Alright, and next, uh, there's also some recursion. In order to get your cheap cleric, well, they're not necessarily cheap. They're five, four, and three mana. But, you know, they're not that expensive. Well, the four and five mana are pretty expensive. But the three mana one, you can take your cheap cleric and upgrade it to a super expensive one. Uh, the good thing about that is you sacrifice it. Um, either you just can optionally sacrifice it with a sacrifice outlet. Or Doomed Necromancer, the three mana one, can uh, sacrifice itself. And then you can just keep on going through that loop over and over and over again. Now most of these do recur to your hand, which does cost mana, but that's fine. So that's the very highest level, right? We have our life gain with our soul sisters, right? We're going to get keep on getting our clerics in and out and in and out. And our clerics are all mixed into all these different categories, uh, just, you know, to give us a good mix. Then we have our life gain payoffs, right? So we have, you know what, no. In order to keep on effectively cycling, uh, getting things through the cycle, we have recursion, and we have, you know, uh, well, we don't really have much else to effectively keep on getting it through the cycle, but we do have enter the battlefield and leave the battlefield triggers that will directly benefit off of uh, all these uh, cycling through them. By cycling through them, I mean, you know, them dying and then coming back, dying and then coming back over and over and over again. So uh, we can do that over and over and over again, right? So we're gaining life, we're getting into the battlefield abilities, you know, things like that. Then we have the payoffs, life gain payoffs. So Basically, because we're gaining so much life from the Soul Sisters and we're getting tons and tons of triggers, we have tons of cards that will give us some sort of benefit for gaining life. And that will help us, you know, progress in the game. So, let's get into examples of what, what's in the categories. Now, I talked about Soul Sisters earlier. It's a pretty linear idea. Uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, maybe under your control, maybe generally, you will gain 
generally one life, sometimes it's two, uh, and sometimes it'll also apply if a creature leaves the battlefield. Uh, that's basically it. There might be some other restriction or something, but not on the cards that we have. And sometimes they have other random benefits, but that's not the important part. Alright, so that's that. Next two categories, easy, they're in all decks, draw and ramp. Uh, I did find a lot of synergistic ramp and draw, not as much on the ramp part. I did find a lot of synergistic and helpful draw, um, but it's really up to you what you want to play. It's dependent on your budget, on what you have, lots of different things. Draw is a very flexible category. Uh, even more flexible, I would say, is ramp. So ramp, uh, I did put cards in here, but basically I tried to focus on creatures, uh, not too much. I did probably like three or four creatures uh, and some mill. So basically what I'm saying is I tried to put in a couple of creatures so that I could get benefits off of my soul sisters because they trigger on all creatures, not necessarily just clerics. I also tried, I also played Milliken, which when you tap it for mana, you will also mill a card from your, from the top of your library. That way I just get more cards into my graveyard, which I can begin recurring and, you know, sacking, having them die and then come back and then die and then come back. All that stuff. Then beyond Milliken, we have, you know, beyond Milliken and the creatures that tap for mana, we just have mana rocks. Uh, maybe a co we have two cost reducers. So mana rocks just generally, you know what those are, and those are completely interchangeable. And then we have two uh, cost reducers. We have Edgewalker, which is one white black for a 2-2. Two -two. Cleric spells you, you play cost two, one, sorry. Cleric spells you cast cost white, black, less to play, to cast. This effect only reduces the amount of colored mana you pay. So if something were to cost one white, it would cost one. Uh, so this is incredibly powerful because, first of all, we're running so many clerics, and at some point we're going to have to cast them. Second of all, we can recur it, so people using removal on it isn't as effective. And third of all, I mean, just with all the cards that are recursion, I mean, we don't have too many, but with card having cards that are recursion, it can be good to just be able to recast things super cheaply. And then Helm of Awakening. Helm of Awakening is two for an artifact. All spells cost one generic mana less to play. This is just good. I mean, it depends on the deck and the person, but I like to play it. I mean, it's not always great, uh, but I do have a lot of things that can take advantage of it in this deck. So, it's up to you. I wouldn't necessarily recommend you play this, but it's definitely good, and it works in the slot. So, I think it depends on your meta. Alright, again, this category is very variable and can change a lot, but there are some nice ways we can synergize with our deck in there. Alright, next is Sacrifice. So, these are free sac sacrifice outlets. As I said before, right? When our creatures die is when it happens, right? So we can make our creatures die by sacrificing them. And it's not very difficult to do. 
So we have some one, two, and three mana cards that will just let us sacrifice a creature for free. And maybe we'll also get some benefit on top of it. Actually, technically, we get benefits off of all of them. It's just for most of them, we don't care about those benefits. And with our commander, it's good. It's really good. Because you just get to cycle through everything. Alright, so I'm now thinking, okay, I would just keep on saying, you just get to cycle through everything. And I'm sort of, you know, taking it for granted. So, we're going to just do an example, right? So, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we have a, let's see, we'll have a couple, we have a couple different CMC things. So, we have an impassioned orator. One in a white for 2-2 two, two, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. We have an alms collector. Uh, three and a white for a 3-4. If an opponent would draw two or more cards, instead you and that player each draw a card. And we have, let's see, we have a soul's attendant. A single white for a creature, human cleric. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain a life. So let's cast the alms collector, right? We can then sacrifice it, right? We Let's say we have all of these cards out. So we have them all out, right? We sacrifice the alms collector. Before that resolves, we can sacrifice that impassioned orator. Then it will go to the graveyard, the alms collector will die, and we can recur that impassioned orator. Then, because the impassioned orator died, we, we can go ahead and get that soul's attendant. And it will enter, and we will get that. Now, this is a very... Uh, not this isn't really a great situation that I made up just randomly uh, because first of all we didn't have any soul sisters we only had one soul sister out when something was entering the battlefield so we only gained a life which isn't great and second of all the curve isn't I mean the curve's fine but it's not the best so in this situation it's not the best it's not the worst but we're just bringing things through the motions and with the cards that do things when they enter the battlefield or leave the battlefield, that becomes even better. And just keep in mind, we have so many ways to take advantage of even that situation. We just get to bring things through and through and through, over and over and over again, and it's great. Alright, so we have, you know, we've covered some things, right? We have Sacrifice, we have Soul Sisters, we've covered how we can bring uh, clerics in and out and in and out. So, how are we taking advantage of this bringing clerics in and out, in and out? As I said, enter the battlefield and leave the battlefield triggers. And also, soul sisters, but we're going to focus on enter the battlefield and leave the battlefield triggers right now. Archfiend's Vessel is black for 1-1 one, one with life limbs. Damage dealt by this creature also causes you to gain that much life. So, basically, it's just lifelink. We don't really care about that part. And when Archfiend's Vessel enters the battlefield, if you if it entered the battlefield from your graveyard or you cast it from your graveyard, exile it. If you do, create a 5-5 Black Demon creature token with flying. So if we sacrifice it and then we get it back with something else, or if it was just in our graveyard and we got it back with something else, we can just get a 5-5 Black Demon super early in the game uh, pretty easily, and that's great. All right. Uh, Fiend Hunter. 
One white white for 1-3. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile another target creature. When it leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, I mean, this is good. This, at base level, it seems bad. You know, like, why are you doing this? Why are you just gonna flicker it over and over again in order to get nothing? I mean, it's just gonna leave and then come back and leave and come back. But the way that these things are, the way that there's two triggers matters. So what you can do is you can have Fiend Hunter enter the battlefield, right? Then you put that on the stack. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile another target creature. Put that trigger on the stack. I mean, obviously it's on the stack, but don't let it resolve is what I'm saying. Then before that trigger resolves, you are going to sacrifice Fiend Hunter. So, Fiend Hunter will leave the battlefield. And in its second ability, when it leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to the graveyard to the battlefield under its owner's control. That will go on the stack. And the stack is first in, last out. So last out, first in. So basically that means that the leave the battlefield trigger is gonna happen both. Sorry, is gonna happen first. So, when it leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, you are going to return nothing uh, to the battlefield under its owner's control. And then, after that, you are going to exile another target creature. So, as a baseline, this doesn't seem good, uh, but in reality, it is quite good. Uh, Keep in mind, if uh, the card does put those together into one paragraph, it will be one trigger. So keep in mind that uh, there are a couple cards I couldn't include in here. Then there is also Evangel of Heliod. Four white white for one three. When it enters the battlefield, put a number of one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield equal to your devotion to white. Basically, every single time I flick, sorry, not flicker, I get this back, I'll get a ton of tokens which will trigger all of my soul sisters. That will be incredibly good. Alright, so life gain payoffs. So how am I getting benefit from gaining all this life? Because I'm gaining so much from my soul sisters. Uh, of course, uh, just to because it's relevant, I have 10 soul sisters in the deck, so I should be able to consistently get a soul sister at some point in the game. Some point relatively early in the game. Alright, I have a Sarah Ascendant. So this is a little bit, you know, questionable if you'd consider it a life gain payoff, but figured it was the best place to put it. Uh, a single white for 1-1. One, one. As long as you have 30 or more life, Sarah Ascendant gets plus, pl- uh, plus 5, plus 5, and has flying. Uh, so basically, it's a 6-6 six, six flying lifelink when you cast it, because in EDH you start at, you start at 40 life. So... Uh, it is $14, and I did take most of the more expensive cards, and I put them in an expensive category that is not technically in the deck. Um, so if you want to cut this, that makes sense. I mean, it's relatively expensive. But I, I think it's usually fine. Alright, uh, next is a Johnny's Pride Mate. Uh, one in a white for 2-2. Two, two. Uh, creature, Cat Soldier. Whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. Uh, so, simple enough, you just get a big creature that you can then attack people with or whatever you want to do. Ailey, Eternal Pilgrim, is one in a black for 2-3 with Death Touch. 
One, sacrifice another creature. You gain life equal to the sacrificed creature's toughness. Uh, this is good because, first of all, gets you life. That's great. Uh, and second of all, because you get to sacrifice creatures. Now, this isn't really in the sacrifice category because it's not free. But it is nice to have another way to do it. Uh, it also has one white black. Sacrifice another creature. Exile target non-land permanent. Activate this ability only if you have at least 10 more life than your starting life total. So you get life. Uh, there's a million different ways to do that. Ailey will even help you with that. And then you can exile a permanent, a non-land permanent. And that's just... And you, and you get to sacrifice a creature. Sure, it costs you 3 mana, but it's, it's just incredibly good. Uh, there's a lot of different versions of... Whenever you gain life, put plus one plus one counters on this. Uh, Angel of Vitality is two and a white, two, two and a white for a two two with flying. If you would gain life, you gain that much life plus one plus one instead, and it gets plus two plus two as long as you have twenty five or more life. So in EDH, it's always going to be a four four with flying. Uh, at least it usually will be because you start with forty life. Um. There is a bloodthirsty aerialist. This is just another version of when it gets when you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on it. I won't be covering those anymore. Uh, indulging patrician is one white black for one four flying lifelink. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if you gain three or more life this turn, each opponent loses three life. Um, there's just a lot of different redundancy. Some form of you know, if you gain life, put plus one plus one counters or deal damage to opponents or something like that. Just value. Alright, so that that's most of the categories. We still have, we still have, sa we talked about sacrifice. So these are most, we've covered most of the major categories and even some of the less major categories. So let's just get to the last couple. So there's protection. Uh, there's two cards in protection and they're both clerics, which is great. We have giver of runes, which is a single white for one, two. Tap, another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. Then we also have Mother of Runes, which is a single white for a 1-1. One -one. Target creature you control gains protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. So it's just a good way to give your creatures protection. Um, there's not really much else to it. Hopefully, hopefully this will prevent them from getting removed. And there is also Children of Corliss. It is a single white per 1-1, one, one, a human rebel cleric, sacrifice children of Corliss, you gain life equal to the life you've lost this turn. It's sort of like a fog, except it only works if you don't die, so it's not as good, but it being a cleric and you being able to sacrifice it just makes it good enough. And yes, I know uh, that it sacrificing will not recur anything because... Um, it's one CMC and I don't have any Z zero CMC clerics. If those exist, uh, I don't think they do exist. All right, and last but not least, Battle Tide Alchemist. Three white, white for three, four. Uh, if a source would deal damage to target to a player, you may prevent X of that damage, where X is the number of clerics you control. And that's it. So there's a couple more notable things. Uh, one of those would be Starlit Sanctum, which is a land, you can tap it to add colorless, or you can pay a white, tap it, sacrifice a cleric, you gain life equal to that cleric's toughness. That's good because you get to sacrifice something and you get life. That's great. 
and black tap, sacrifice a cleric, target player loses life equal to that cleric's power. So, again, being able to sacrifice a cleric is awesome. You don't get the same synergy as gaining life, though. So, that's incredibly good in this deck, and it's only 22 cents. So, definitely include that. Alright, so, that is the deck. So, keep in mind, it does also have Cleric of Life's Blood. I forgot to mention that because it's not on the deck yet, because Scryfall doesn't support it yet, but I'm sure that um, when you're listening to this, it will be supported, and I'll add it to the deck. Cleric of Life's Bond is white-black for creature vampire cleric. Whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Cleric of Life's Bond, similar to other things, and whenever another cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Incredibly useful and will be great in the deck. So there's also a category of expensive cards. So these are not in the deck, but if you want to put them in, then go ahead. Uh, I did not like think about these as much, and I know there are a lot of these, even if it were in the budget, I wouldn't actually include in the deck. I will probably end up just removing them from the deck, but just it's notable if you want to spend more money. This is a relatively budget deck at $150, but if you discount lands, that's $148. So not not a huge difference. Uh, by lands, I mean basic lands. Not that lands are very expensive. Uh, also notable, do not use my land base. I have 18 plains and 17 swamps. I am not recommending that you use my land base. I'm recommending that you change it to whatever you want it to be. That is up to you, and I'm not going to make that decision for you. Uh, you generally don't need too much fixing in a two-colored deck, but there is a lot of uh, color-intensive things in black. So it's up to you exactly how you do it, but I would recommend you add some two-color lights. And try not to do too many tapped lines, because that's not really a sacrifice you have to make in this type of deck. Okay, well, I mean, that's been the, that's been the deck. Uh, I think this would work quite well. I can't say I've tested it or really done as much, you know, looking into it as I do with most decks, because this was a last-minute thing. But thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.